This is a special episode of the Stem Cell Podcast, ISSCR 2023, Day 3. Hey everyone, we are Drs. Daylon James and Arun Sharma. Welcome back to the Stem Cell Podcast, where we culture knowledge and stem cell research by talking to some of the brightest minds in the field. We're back with our third episode covering highlights from the ISSCR 2023 annual meeting in Boston, Massachusetts. Arun and I have had so much fun attending and getting to meet all of you, but it's not over yet. If you're looking to find out what we're up to at the meeting, follow us on Twitter at Stem Cell Podcast. You can also find episodes covering the two previous days of the meeting at www.stemcellpodcast.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Today, we'll be recapping day three of the ISSCR 2023 meeting. We're going to kick things off in just a minute, but before we get to that, on June 29th, join Dr. Andrew Gaffney and Dr. Aaron Nock from Stem Cell Technologies for a live webinar to learn about the generation of a standardized iPSC line, which was developed with the upcoming ISSCR Standards Initiative guidelines in mind. Visit www.stemcell.com slash iPSC webinar to reserve your spot. We're going to start off with a little bit of drama. There's a bit of a drama situation happening both virtually and in person here on day three and prior to day three of ISCR 2023, what's a what's an ICCR without a little bit of drama, right? Adds to the flavor. So before today, and I guess you know, yesterday, I suppose, on Thursday, today's Friday, uh, there was a bit of virtual drama, digital drama. So there were some uh preprints that were recently dropped from a number of folks working on these early human embryo model systems, synthetic embryo, human embryos, whatever you want to call them, stem cell-derived human embryos. Not true embryos, of course. These are models. But sort of in response to Magdalena Zernika Goetz's presentation at the very beginning of ISCR plenary number one, as we saw, there's a bit of a media firestorm that was elicited from the some of the the tail end of that presentation where they were she was talking about some of her early human modeling work pre preprint uh, unpublished work after that happened uh Jacob Hanna's lab actually decided to drop a preprint pretty rapidly after that paper after that discussion at the beginning of ISCR so the Hanna lab put a preprint on BioArchive, also talking about some of their early embryo model systems that were extending out to day 14, and importantly are non-transgenic-based approaches to actually culturing uh, post-implantation human embryos derived from naive pluripotent stem cells. Again, they're drawing them out to equivalent to about day 14 post-fertilization, so pretty, pretty astounding stuff. And in response to the HANA Labs preprint, Magdalena's lab also apparently dropped uh, their own preprint of some of the work that was discussed uh, early on during ISSCR, uh, during the first plenary that she gave. I don't know if it was directly in response to Jacob Hanna's uh, preprint, but there's some, perhaps some connection there. Bailey Weatherby from uh, the, the Zernika Goats Lab actually posted a nice thread detailing some of the differences between the preprints from the Hannah group and also Magdalena's group. And in addition to that, it doesn't end there. There are actually two other independent groups, uh, Ibrahim uh, Lab and also I et al. in China, uh, Ibrahim Khan Lab. Th these were four total preprints focusing on the same similar topic of early human embryo development and these synthetic stem cell-derived embryo 
model systems that are being used to pioneer really cutting edge studies of early human embryo development. So that was happening virtually. I don't know if you were aware of it. Of course, I live on Twitter. So certainly I was aware of it. But, you know, check it out. That's uh, some interesting developments, uh, very early preprint articles, and can't wait to see those in press down the road. Moving on to the the real in-person stuff, early in the morning, there was a track focusing on iPSCs in clinical trials, specifically focusing on ophthalmology. This is a really hot area of application for iPS technology. As long as we know that iPSC-derived retinal pigment epithelial cells are being derived across the world from Japan to the U.S. for treatment for age-related macular degeneration. In fact, there are a number of folks in that early morning session that were talking about that exact topic. We had Jeff Jeff Stein. We had uh, we had Kapil Barty. We had you know Masayo Takahashi, of course, from Japan, talking about the next stage of regenerative medicine. Of course, she's uh, they, they you know they've pioneered some of the early RP IPS derived RP trials out there in Japan. Uh, Jane Lebowski as well, looking at results from another human embryonic stem cell derived RP implant, and then you know, Clive Svensson from my neck of the woods over at Cedar Sinai, talking about not IPS derived uh, RP for macular degeneration, but neural progenitors for retinitis pigmentosa. So an eye-focused early morning session, just when you're getting the sleep out of your eyes, I suppose. And then we moved on to something that we were in, in taking part of, independent of the, the scientific traps, but that was, of course, the Stem Cell Podcast Meetup Hub, where we got to meet up with a few folks, chat with them about what they're into, how they can potentially be on the show as part of our delegates, maybe. Uh, always nice to catch up with some of the, the folks listening in. And again, thank you so much or listening into us and listening into the craziness that we always have to say during these particular episodes. Uh, unfortunately, this kind of ran into some of the concurrent sessions that were happening at the same time in the morning. And there was a little bit of in-person drama that was happening at that time as well. Indeed, there was a, uh, a bit of a fire code violation that occurred here at the convention center at the ISCR 2023, where the cops actually showed up to kick out some folks who were listening to Juan Carlos Belmonte's talk. Of course, Juan Carlos is a very well-established researcher in the area of early human embryo development recently has moved on to Altos Labs. There's one room in particular here, room 257 at the conference hall, which is a microscopic room, I got to say, in comparison to a lot of the other rooms, even the ones that are just adjacent to it, which are quite massive. And unfortunately, it was just the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm of Juan Carlos being Juan Carlos presenting incredible you know, basic science work, a lot of people wanting to listen to it, sitting in the chairs and also overflowing into the aisles and along the walls. And uh, ultimately, the cops showed up to, to escort people out and prevent a fire code violation. So uh, it was unfortunate. The ISCR actually dropped a, a statement apologizing for that particular mishap. And apparently it happened again at some point in that room 257, which was, again, a little too small for, for most people's interests, but also reflects how many in-person folks there are here at this particular meeting, quite a bit more than last year. And I'm not that surprised that we're running into these overflow issues, you know? Yeah, a lot of people at this meeting, 257 was a, a bit of a, a nightmare. I mean, not even just then, throughout the day. I went to see a talk with Lorenz there, they were keeping people out of the room. But hey, you know, honest mistake. Next time we learn from this, when you're having, you know, super high volume speakers, don't put them in the smallest room. Okay, a little tip. You probably knew that already. But something fell through the cracks. But uh, 
yeah, today, I mean, there was some drama, but it was really for me about the people. There was a ton of talk, super dense yesterday with all the three tracks I think we were trying to balance. Today, I, we actually got to talk to some people, as Arun just mentioned there at the beginning in the meetup hub. That was awesome. And throughout the day, some shout outs to Isha from U Michigan, who never listened to the show before. Hope, hope you'll give it a listen. Now you looked in our face, feel guilty. You're going to have to put it on now. <laughs> also, Devani, we had a nice chat with you from Hong Kong. Rustem, who we met before. Rustem, who's actually my steady hands in the Netherlands, not just my main man in Kazakhstan. He was at the meetup hub. We had a good chat, too, also at the booth. Shout out to Georgia, Ryan, Kiara came out of chat. Always fun to talk to you guys and, and really, really appreciate you. I, for one, wasn't sweating Juan Carlos. I saw that line and I was like, oh, I'm the smart one here. I'm going over to Global Policy Initiatives, where I got to listen to Janet Rassant talk about, you know, global norms. And, and that, that was really the joke of it. There are no global norms. And and when we talk about um, embryo culture, and that's a really pertinent thing as we've been talking about. And I think really what I took away from there is that I don't know that we're going to reach any consensus. There were some really interesting points uh, that uh, Dr. Assant made there. For example, like uh, the UN Declaration Against Human Reproductive Cloning, right? Yeah, there's consensus on that, right? No doubt. Nobody wants to clone themselves except Bezos and a few other heads. But even with that thing where you think there'd be definitive consensus, there's like 80 something countries that were like, yeah, sure, no reproductive cloning, 30 something of them abstained and 30 something of them were like, wait, why not? So it seems like we're not quite there yet on consensus. And I mean, part of that relates to this like 14 day rule, for example, the 22 top science and tech intensive countries in the world, 12 of them have a 14 day rule. One of them, Switzerland has a seven day rule. Four of them, including the U.S., no rules. I mean, there's some guidelines, of course, and that's why where the ISSCR has taken the lead. But the point here isn't to cast judgment. It's just to say that this is a bit of a moving target, even in terms of what defines an embryo. We're not quite sure there, you know. Is a, is a synthetic embryo, uh, does that fit within the guidelines? Is it something that should be appreciated as a, a human embryo and therefore be given the protections? uncertain. There's a lot of arguments for that, but the ISSCR has been able to step in, provide guidelines that were revised in 2021. I will note in there, Arun, you always say I'm a hater, but the ISSCR agrees that uh, gametes derived from IPS cells is not safe, okay? At least not yet. Um, and then finally, just the question from, from Rasan, are these norms even global? We come from our bubble, you know, which is a big one, granted, but this Western Christian, you know, maybe secular at best bubble, but what about Jewish, Muslim views? Uh, is that jibe with the guidelines that we set? Not exactly. So the ultimate conclusion, which was a bit grim, but I think realistic, is that achieving global consensus is an unrealistic goal. Um, and maybe we just have to live with that. I'm just happy that the science continues to go on. And on that note, we had some words from Ellen Gabois from the NIH talking about human embryo research policy. Um, and that was really the pith that I, I left a little bit more confused and maybe uh, discouraged about the possibility for NIH funding because within this Dickey Wicker amendment, the status of, of uh, synthetic embryos is unclear. But for now, an organism, I'm quoting here, an organism loosely derived uh, from one or more human gametes or Diploid cells, that's considered human. So that's everything. If it comes from diploid, I mean, what do you got to do? Triploid cells in order to get around, skirt around the rags? 
No one's going to do that. So the reality is, is that it's a pretty much blanket regulation right now, uh, including NIH considering a human totipotent cell. That's an organism, according to the NIH. So uh, pretty restrictive now, but probably for the best. Um, important to have this thing and these technologies roll out in a way that everyone's comfortable with. But from there, I went on to uh, more scientific talks, uh, less regulatory. Uh, first, I, I caught Jesse Huang from the Cotton Lab, who was a Travel Merit Award winner, talking about type 2 alveolar cells, um, how they respond to injury. And, and I thought in a really nice approach, taking a human IPS differentiation of these AT2 cells and combining it with a mouse injury model and looking at where those, those phenomena overlap at, at a mechanistic molecular level. And then when you get your candidates using the IPS system to dissect them, interrogate them, and there she found an interesting rule uh, role for uh, easy H2. Then I caught uh, Serena Scala, um, who's from somewhere in Italy. My apologies. I didn't catch it. There were so many attributions there, but you could see for yourself. I, I really love this talk because it's one of those living experiment talks. They have these clinical trials of gene therapy in, in pediatric patients, you know, all these hematopoietic um, gene therapies that are changing the world and changing the, the landscape of disease. Well, they exploited that system by uh, tagging, essentially, the transplanted blood in this clinical trial. Um, and by that, they were able to do a lot of follow-up follow up and compare, really, two modus, uh, moduses, modi, uh, which is mobilized peripheral blood or bone marrow-derived hematopoietic stem cells. And they showed some really careful and deep comparisons of how, how these things work, which I really appreciated. Uh, then, you know, uh, after a few fiascos in room 257, I finally got in there and was able to catch the end of Paula Alonso Gaillard, sorry about the pronunciations talk, um, which she's from the NICEF, you know, I'm a NICEF alumnus, love the NICEF, always got to check out my people from there. Caught the tail end of her talk talking about immune evading beta cell islands, uh, so they're going head to head with Santa, Sona Schrepfer there. Um, but maybe their hook is automation. She really emphasized the automation angle there and how consistent um, and efficient the approach was incorporating the automation. We got a little thing with the NICEF coming up, I think in August, but we'll talk a bit about that. So we can elaborate on that then, please tune in. And finally, of course, you know, if Lorenz is giving a talk, I gotta get there. And everyone else felt the same way. It was in 257, it was jam packed. He didn't even have a title for his talk. It was TBD but he still filled the room. Um, and, you know, what you mentioned, of course, as you would expect, the ongoing Parkinson's trial, which has now treated two patients with two doses. We're more than 12 months in. He, he alluded to the fact that they're going to be sharing results at some point, but not anytime immediately, but in the relatively near future, hopefully. But that's really exciting just to see that the trial's ongoing and they're collecting data. But this talk, was about Hirschsprung's disease, um, which is recently published from, from him. So I, I won't elaborate too much, but the real takeaway there for me is this neuromesodermal intermediate. You know, we're so far away from the dogma that we used to hold of these strict silos, ectoderm, mesoderm, endoderm. Now, I mean, in every way, uh, cell plasticity fundamentally, but also just the, the interrelationship of all these cells, I think, um, is really becoming. Uh, totally clear, and, and that was it. I mean, you got to love listening to Lorenz even. It's like ASMR, but 
um, also the content and the imagery and just the scope of his work is always so impressive. I think he's probably my favorite ambassador of stem cell research and love, love catching his talks. And, you know, he is in some ways the godfather of the show. Uh, so I uh, love to hear what he has to say. And then it was on to the plenaries. Arun, what did you get after in the, in that concurrence though? Yeah, a lot of good stuff there. And of course, no, uh, you you have to highlight Lorenz and this particular ISSCR, especially with Blue Rock being a major sponsor here. And uh, yeah, we, we love Lorenz. We love chatting with him. He had such a great chat with us on the show not too long ago. Uh, before even diving into the, the concurrence, you know, we had a nice lunch with some friends of ours who have been on the show. Paul Burridge was a uh, was there at lunch as well as his postdoctoral fellow Davi Lyra Lite? They're working on some phenomenal, phenomenal uh, media formulations. They actually just had a new paper that came out in Stem Cell Reports as of two days ago. This is Paul's thing. They just love optimizing the hell out of cell culture media. So definitely go check that out. But yeah, going into some of the concurrent sessions, I went to, in addition to some of the, the ethics, policy, and standards tracks, you know, I was also at Ellen Gudbois' talk from the NIH, but I also went to some more science-focused sessions, Celeste Nelson from Princeton, talking about the mechanical links between tissue morphogenesis and progender cell differentiation, also emphasizing the importance of this molecule that I love, this protein that I love, YAP, it has an importance outside of its ability to drive proliferation like crazy. Famously, when you manipulate the YAP signaling pathway, you lead to cardiac phenotypes where you have cardiomegaly and gigantic, gigantic hearts. But there's more to YAP than just that particular phenotype. Moved on to the new tech sessions and single molecule methods and biomolecular condensate sessions, which is a very specific name. That's what I thought. Um, I wasn't really expecting that. Sunaya Ikezu from Japan, focusing on proteomic characterization of stem cell type, uh, specific extracellular vesicles uh, from iPSC-derived neuronal cells. Basically, this is a this is a really cool emerging concept of extracellular vesicles, what they're secreting, what they're holding to drive cellular functions, differentiations in the context of stem cells. And they did a, he did a really amazing characterization of EV contents, extracellular vesicle contents that are coming from different iPS-derived cell types. Perhaps you can use the vesicles themselves as the carriers for whatever molecule that you're hoping to deliver potentially for therapeutic applications, for influencing stem cell function. This is a really hot emerging field with, I think, you know, some people aren't completely bought into it. Some people don't believe in the EVs, I got to say, um, in part because they are so hard to isolate, purify, and standardize. And, but I think there's a, a lot of work that's happening in this area right now. It's really cool to see. Chin Yung Eng, uh, focusing on the Murfish work that's coming from his lab at Harvard. Uh, he's, a, he's a fellow there, but you know, um, the, the Zeng group actually presented on this briefly at the presentation, at the, sorry, at the plenary yesterday, this amazing new Murfish technology taking fluorescent in situ hybridization to a spatially resolved and epigenomic level and a single cell level, which you can do in really complex tissues. It's taking spatial multi-omics to the max, and they're really excited about working on increasing the throughput with this technology. And I think there's going to be a lot of applications for various tissues with this particular Murfish technology. And then indeed, moving on to the plenaries, this is the, uh, uh, the major plenary for today. 
Leading off with Jay, Roger Gopal, these are plenaries that are focused on stem cell differentiation. And there are some familiar faces here, uh, including some former mentors of mine. Jay Roger Gopal at MGH, Mass General Harvard, uh, Hospital, and also the Harvard Stem Cell Institute over here in Boston, just down the road. Of course, focusing on rare airway epithelial cells. He's a pulmonologist, an amazing uh, dual threat physician scientist, really the prime example of a physician scientist over there in Boston. You know, focusing on the basic developmental mechanisms and developmental pathways leading to the rise of newly discovered, newly characterized airway epithelial cells, which haven't really been identified, and potentially new mechanisms for regeneration as well. There are apparently these. Uh, discrete airway epithelial cells that are non-stratified, and he identified these hillock cells that he kept on talking about. And Chuck Murray asked a really interesting question after that particular talk. He, I mean, he described that these cells are extremely, extremely resistant to freeze-thaw and all these different conditions. Chuck was wondering if you could kill them just by running over them with a car. I mean, roadkill would do the job, but uh, maybe not. I don't know how resistant these things are, so we'll see. Next up, uh, friend of mine, a mentor of mine, and a friend of the show as well, Christy Redhorse, who unfortunately could not be here in person due to mysterious circumstances, focusing on a particular flight that she wasn't able to make. But she did present virtually. She presented as a recorded presentation. Uh, also, of course, talking about her beautiful, beautiful imaging that she does in her laboratory and that I've actually been a part of in the past, uh, uh, focusing on regeneration and development, repair of blood vessels in the heart, figuring how, out how the endocardium turns into the coronary artery. They have this incredibly powerful confocal just sitting in a closet within their own laboratory. I can't, I mean, if you do as much imaging as Christy does, you got to invest in your own confocal. And I remember, you know, when I was a rotation student at Stanford, she was the first lab I rotated in. And I was shocked that this brand new PI just had a massive confocal sitting in their closet, but they use it to full extent. And, you know, is on display definitely in the, the images that they, she showed in her particular presentation. Also, she talked about the role of pericytes, this elusive, mysterious cell type that's basically cuddling with the endo endothelium and cuddling with the coronary arteries and has a, a powerful role in actually maturing coronary arteries and potentially serving as a progenitor for smooth muscle. Sarah Wickstrom focusing on the regulation of, of stem cell fate by nuclear mechanotransduction. And again, uh, role of YAP. Yeah, yeah, yes, associated protein coming up again. It's one of my favorite molecules for its really dynamic and dramatic phenotypes that it induces when you have yap mutant cells. And apparently uh, there's a lot to it. She was focusing on the temporal dynamics of nuclear mechanoresponse, how mechanotransduction could be influenced uh, by, by yap and its associated proteins. And in fact, I got a text message from one of my postdoctoral fellows, uh, Maida Mazneb in my lab, who says she absolutely loves Sarah's talk because she made the connection of how her work could actually influence the work that my lab actually does in studying the effects of microgravity on stem cell function. I mean, mechanotransduction is completely altered in space. So I think there's a lot of uh, interesting applications, interesting potential studies that could come from down the road uh, in that particular area. Yukiko Goto from Tokyo, focusing on the chromatin level regulation of neuronal stem cell fate during mouse neocortical development. And of course, Takenori Takebe, the one and only 
deserving ISCR outstanding young investigator, initially focusing on his journey from all the way back in ISCR 2012. When he was inspired to go into this field, ISCR 202012 was in Yokohama, which is the city that he grew up in. And he talked about how there are so many dignitaries that were at that particular meeting, ranging from the governor, the mayor, the emperor, and empress of Japan, and perhaps somebody who's got even more influence in Japan. That's, of course, Shinya Yamanaka himself. And indeed, he was talking about some of his pioneering work creating liver vasculature to study human development and disease. Um, and it was just a phenomenal overview of the incredible breadth of work that Dr. Tagebe actually does over there at Cincinnati Children's. He does a lot of collaborations with other well-known, well-established stem cell biologists like Jim Wells, uh, and it's just been an incredible force in his early career for pioneering these technologies and pioneering these discoveries, especially in the realm of liver biology, and 100% extremely deserving of this particular award. Agree, agree 100%. Um, and for me, I mean, the science, you know, it it's, it's, goes without saying, he's an amazing scientist. Of course, that's how he get the, got the award. But uh, for me, I thought it was a really nice metaphor for the meeting, for the day, my day, which was yesterday was so much about the science and today was so much for me about, about the people. Uh, and it's what I, I've, I've missed so much and, and the being being there, you know? And I think that the, the anecdote that um, Takanori shared about how his, his career in stem cells was essentially born when he submitted an abstract to ISSCR 20, 2012 the 10th anniversary, because it was there, because it was in his hometown, so to speak. Um, and that's where it led, right? It led 10 odd years later to him receiving this illustrious award, won't be the last. Um, and I feel like everyone who, who ever receives those kind of plaudits, they all start from the same place. They all start from their first meeting. They all start from their first paper even. And and uh, for me, this this day was a real reminder of that from the beginning. You know, I had a nice half hour chat with a, a friend in science of mine, Evangelos Kitskinis, just talking about the evolution of science. And that was the one of the best parts of my day, you know, just chatting, being in a meeting with somebody and talking about all the BS that's going on, all the drama, room 257, what a joke it was. And talking to, to all the, the young trainees at the meet and greet, again, the people, you know, just uh, really illustrating why we come to these meetings. Even that con that little exchange between Chuck Murray there and, and uh, Raj, where RJ, sorry, um, where I thought it was hysterical. I mean, Chuck said, he said, hey, I'm, I'm not here to argue. I'm just like gobsmacked. And Jay says, yeah, I didn't believe it either, but here we are. And Chuck says, okay. Cool. And walks away. I mean, I wish I had reviewers that were that amenable to my counter arguments, but you know, amongst these big guys and when, when you've seen it all, I think what it shows you is that uh, the force of, of telling a story and sharing a result with a, a colleague that you respect and admire, um, there's nothing like the ISSCR to remind you what a rich field we're, we're able to operate in. So a great day for me really touched me in, in a lot of ways, not least of which was the amazing science that continues to be shared, uh, the drama. Wow, that's another thing. We're going to have to see how, how the back end of that. I mean, not for nothing, but in that plenary, Magda Lena was supposed to be uh, one of the chairs, and she she ghosted it, and uh, not through any fault of her own. I, I would be willing to bet 
that her PR department at Caltech is just choking <laughs> out any sharing. Any further sharing from you, Magdalena, will go through us. I'm sure that's their policy now. Um, again, a reminder of the courage it takes to get out there with this unpublished um, data and then the preprints hit the hit the airwaves like this is risky stuff. So uh, I'm really grateful to all the presenters and, and especially those who have the most to share and the most to lose. So a, a great day for me. Arun, what's your uh, close out? Yeah, I agree with you. It's, uh, you know, things sort of start losing steam a bit over the course of any long multi-day scientific meeting. I mean, you get tired after a little while, but hey, the drama starts to re-energize you in some ways. You could think of it that way, I suppose. But yeah, that's not to say the science is diminishing at all. We still have you know a few more plenary sessions. We have more talks to go to even on the weekend, Saturday morning, day four, the final day of ICCR, which is coming right up. And we're definitely going to recap it for you. For So stay tuned. Stay right here onto the Stem Cell Podcast. Yeah, also, I think there's going to be a mosh pit in, in room 257. <laughs> so, hey, like, get in there if you want to party. That brings us to the end of our latest ISSCR 2023 episode. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Stem Cell Podcast to find out what we're up to at the meeting and visit us at the Stem Cell Podcast booth on the exhibitor floor where you can win some prizes and find out how you can be featured on a future episode of the podcast. Check back here tomorrow also for our final recap of the meeting um, which has been great so far. And I feel like the final day is always, you know, they got to anchor it with some special stuff and, you know, walking home gobsmacked. So uh, be sure to tune into that episode. We'll have that recap at the same time tomorrow. Until then, thank you so much, all of you, for listening.